Welcome to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hell. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. At present, we're working our way through the book of 1 Peter, and we are up to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Let me read these verses for us, and then I'll pray, and we'll jump right in. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Father, as we look once again at your word, I ask that you would strengthen us, that we may believe your word, that we may find comfort in the gospel that we find in your word, that we may be strengthened, that our test may, or that our faith may be tested and shown genuine. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, right out of the gates, we see that there's a kind of exegetical question we have to ask. It starts with, in this you rejoice. Anytime we see a preposition of any sort like that, we need to figure out what exactly it is referring to. There's two options here. This can refer to kind of everything that Peter has just laid out in verses 3 through 5. The reality of being born again into a living hope, into an inheritance, all according to God's mercy, all by his plan and his doing, all to the end of being you know, kept for salvation, being guarded for the salvation that is to be revealed in the last times. That's one option, and many commentators have taken it that way. Another option is to see it as the last time, this, this uh, eschaton that we talked about yesterday, this future glory that is before us in which we have this great hope because everything will be made right. As we read in the book of Revelation Every tear will be wiped from our eyes. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more death. And in that we rejoice. In the end, I don't know that it really matters a whole lot whether we see the uh, the, the antecedent being all that God has done, kind of the whole picture of him causing us to be born again into a living hope, into an inheritance, uh, this new identity that comes with new birth, the hope that we have, the identity or the security that we have with the inheritance we, we could see it that way, or, or we could see it as rejoicing in this future time when everything will be made right. The, the point is, what is the result of this joy that we have? In this you rejoice. Whether it's all that is in view in verses 3 through 5, or just the eschaton that's in view at the end of verse 5, the, the point is that it affects how we live in the present, that the joy that is set before us determines how we live right now. I tend to think it refers more to the, the end times, this end joy that we have. And, uh, and th there is this reality that the future that is kept for us, that we are being guarded for, that that should cause us to rejoice even now in our present circumstances. We live in the present in light of the future. One analogy I've frequently used is that of crossing a street. We look, as we come to the edge of a street, we look both ways, and if we determine that in the future there will not be a car where we want to be, then we decide in the present to cross the street. We live in the present in light of what we think the future holds. We don't think the future holds a car running us over, and so we decide in the present to cross the street. 
Likewise, if we think there is going to be a car there, we decide in the present to wait for a minute and let that future pass until the future holds no vehicles running us over. So this is a, an idea that we deal with actually on a regular basis. There's a number of things that we could think about and, and a number of examples that we could use of us living in our present now in light of what we believe the future holds. And I think that's what Peter is calling the elect exiles to do. I think that's what he's calling us to do, to live now, to live in the present in light of the future. However, for us as Christians, the future is certain. It is kept for us. It is guarded, and we are guarded for it. There is no doubt. It's not any kind of guesswork as to what the future holds for Christians. And there's no sense in which our present or the circumstances that we find ourselves in determine the future. Rather, we have been caused to be born again to a living hope, to an inheritance. God has done this. He is the one that is guarding us for the future. The future is secure. It is an undefiled, imperishable, unfading inheritance that is kept for us. We who are being guarded by God for this day. So we don't have to live now in, 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 with the idea of, you know, some future that might be. We live now in light of a future that certainly will be. And that's why we can rejoice. We can rejoice now in the face of suffering because of what is guaranteed in the future. We can live now in light of the future. And this is Peter's point here. You rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. In what sense is it necessary that we be grieved by various trials? Well, in a couple of senses. One, in, in the sense that Jesus said, the world hated me and so they're going to hate you. He, he prepared his disciples to suffer. He prepared them. He told them to be ready because this is what is coming. And so in that sense, it's necessary because it has been said this is what's going to happen. But in another sense, it's necessary because what we see here is that it's not vain suffering, but that by the suffering that we face in this life, our faith is tested. Now, we need to be careful with what we mean by tested here. Tested isn't the idea of God kind of checking to see if our faith is real. God is not kind of uh, in, in this vengeful way sitting up in heaven going, well, I mean, she says she believes in me or he says he believes in me. Let's see if they stay strong through this and then throwing some suffering our way. That's not the idea of testing that is in view here. Rather, the metaphor that, Paul, that Peter is using is the idea of smelting of metal, the burning away of impurities. That's what he goes on to say. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire. That's the idea here. Gold is, is made pure through this intense burning process that burns away the dross. It burns away the impurity so that what you're left with is pure gold. It's not put into the fire to see if it's gold. It's put into the fire to burn away the impurities that it might be pure gold. That's how we should think about the testing via suffering in this life. 
It's not God checking to see if we really love him or if we really trust him or if we really believe in him. It's him in his perfect providence, according to his good, pleasing, and perfect will, using the circumstances of our life to burn away the impurities that what may be left is a pure trusting, a pure faith in God. We, we see this, don't we, in the sufferings that we face. They constantly remind us, whatever the suffering is, however small, however big it might be, however temporal or constant it might be, they, they, they remind us, these sufferings, that we don't keep ourselves. They remind us that we're not actually self-sufficient like we like to think. They remind us that we do, in fact, need God's help, that we do, in fact, need his mercy to be new every morning, that we do, in fact, need him to guard us for that great day because we simply can't and won't guard ourselves. We are weak. He is the one who is strong. They teach us to do what Christ, we are told, did in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We see a similar idea in Philippians chapter 2, that great Christ hymn that reminds us that he humbled himself, becoming a man and being found in the form of a man, humbled himself further, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him. And we're told to have this mind, which is ours in Christ Jesus. God isn't testing whether we have that mind. He is sharpening the mind which is ours in Christ Jesus. That is the role that suffering plays in the life of a Christian. It, test, it tests, it, it refines our faith, teaching us more and more to rely on God to see us through to the end because he is the one who is guarding us by his power through faith, a faith that must be continually refined for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. A time in which we rejoice. And a time as our faith is proven pure will come when we that it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, found to be true to the end as God keeps us, we will get to share in his glory even as we have shared in his suffering in this life. This theological reality gives us perspective on how we should face life now. What suffering do you face at this moment? I know many of us can name all kinds of things. We, we face the suffering that is particular to us. We face suffering that is common to many people. This is how we should process such suffering. That God in his mercy is refining us, teaching us more and more to rely on him who guards us, who keeps us by his power through this faith that is being refined. 
until the last days when the salvation from all of this, when our deliverance from all the suffering, from all that is broken, when that is finally revealed in Christ Jesus. And at that moment, we share in the glory that is already his in heaven because we have shared in his sufferings. May Christ be with you, even in your sufferings. Amen. Thank you.